Welcome to B2B Podcast Stories, where we interview hosts and producers about why they started their podcast and how it helps their business. Our guests today are George Peabody and Yvette Bohan. They're both from Glenbrook Partners, where George started their podcast, Payments on Fiverr, nine years ago, before handing it over to Yvette after his retirement. George and Yvette gave a really refreshing take on podcasting as an educational tool and how that fits with the overall philosophy of Glenbrook Partners. Expect to learn how George convinced his partners at Glenbrook to give him the time to start a podcast nine years ago, the direct and indirect benefits of podcasting for their business, why George started his new podcast with his brand new venture called Making Data Better, why the conversational aspect of podcasting puts it at a stronger medium than written and other forms of content, and much more. Yvette and George were great fun to talk to. They're both clearly very experienced in both their industry as consultants, but also in podcasting. They've been doing it longer than we have, actually. So it's really, really fun conversation where we get a lot of really cool insights about podcasting as a whole. And with that, on to the show. George, Yvette, thank you so much for coming on the show. Welcome to B2B Podcast Stories. Uh, You both have really interesting podcasts, and you're both uh, either veterans or current uh, players in the Payments on Fire podcast, which is huge in the payment space, which is an interesting niche to have a huge podcast in, but we'll delve into that in a second. Um, but George, you're the one that started Payments on Fire, right? Back when, way back when. So I am. Where did that come from? Why did you start Payments on Fire for Glenbrook Partners? Um, I used to, in, when we talked earlier, that it was called your college radio station. Uh, <laughs> one, of my, one of my partners uh, decided that to mock me and mock the effort. But it was actually, I just went back and looked and it was nine years ago when we, we started it. And podcasting had been around for some time, but it was starting to get credence and traction um, in, in the business space. And besides, I thought it would be fun and creative to do it. And those are important you know, values for me. Um, it, it also struck me to be really congruent with how uh, Glenbrook does its business. Glenbrook as a payments consultancy uh, has always had a very strong educational component. In fact, that's a pretty big line of business for Glenbrook that Yvette's uh, part of that team. Uh, and I was too at the time. And Glenbrook had actually prior to that for years been running the very first blog of called Payments News, where we were taking the news of the payments industry and posting that every day. And, you know, as consultants who are, need to be trusted and uh, uh, regarded, we never took advertising for Payments News. We never took any sponsorship for Payments on Fire right from the get-go. It was all about what's right for the industry. What does the industry need to be thinking about? And, uh, so it was, it's all, we decided that let's go out and just have interesting conversations with famous geeks. And, uh, you know, I, I actually, I just took a look at some of the, the titles of the very early podcasts from nine, eight, nine years ago. And Yvette, they'd make me laugh because I got it. <laughs> I got it it's like, oh, faster payments, uh, crypto, uh, authorization rates. Nine uh, years ago, you were talking about Christian? Apple first, Wait, the first podcast, George. Tell them what the first Payments on Fire podcast was. No, it, was on, it was on Bitcoin with uh, one of our founding really? partners, Scott. It was on Bitcoin. 
they had yeah. just come back from a conference, right? Some conference that you were in, yeah. and 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 George is interviewing them, and and it's it's all about what people were thinking about back then. We actually just released it in a from the vault episode. And so, how, has it matured well? Just just <laughs> it kind of has because okay. it, you know, these topics they evolve. A lot, right. It's an evolution. And there's certain ones that come up that are just perennial favorites. But I think, George, what was, why did you guys choose that particular podcast? Do you remember to be the first one? Was it like everybody's talking about Bitcoin? Well, so we it was everybody's talking, everybody's talking about Bitcoin. And, and Scott had had direct experience with virtual currencies. So he was a perfect person from the, from the legitimate payments industry to address this new phenomenon that Bitcoin was at the time. So, And just to be clear, it wasn't because he was put in jail for dealing with them, right? Was, right. He had legitimate Right. <laughs> there were, well, people don't know this. Like there were, there were attempts, I won't call it crypto, there were attempts at digital currency, virtual currencies well before Bitcoin came onto the scene. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those people were indicted you know, mm -hmm. and, and ended up in jail. So it's kind of funny, but no, he was so one of the- your podcast matured well then? If you <laughs> <laughs> okay, as long as that didn't happen, then you could. You can. But it, it, it really, uh, as, as it, I, and the fact that you, you need to speak to this, but it, I think over the, with within fairly short order, it really, found itself underneath our educational um, mission. And uh, <laughs> I had some funny experiences. I'd be at a, at a conference talking with someone and someone else would walk by and go, stop and go, I've heard your voice. Uh, did you do payments on fire? Went, yeah, you know, uh, and that was very gratifying just because uh, people were listening. Finding these conversations to be beneficial, to be to be useful. Mm -hmm. So on that point about like you did an episode on Bitcoin nine years ago. So that's what, 2014, 20, mm -hmm. 2014. Okay, my math is still good. Um, so that that's really early. So that's before, I guess it was like, it was a thing. The white paper was published. It was, it was out, but the crypto bubble hadn't happened yet. The huge get money, get rich scheme, quick scheme hadn't happened yet. So I guess it was still in payments niche in a way back then. But at the same time, the long form format of podcasting that you published something nine years ago, which is still relevant today, still listen today and can be repurposed for today. I mean, that's the beauty of podcasting, right? You create something that's really there and it's such an immersive experience that you're there talking about a topic from nine years ago. And you can say, hey, look, I was talking about this nine years ago. In the consulting view, that's that's really beneficial, right? That you're saying, hey, look, we were ahead of the curve, and now you know what Bitcoin is, but we've been talking about this for nine years. Well, as Yvette was saying, that yeah. the, the, while the topics, the high-level labels have stayed pretty consistent, but what we're actually talking about does has changed enormously around each of these topics. I mean, uh, we were talking about tokenization eight and nine years ago. And I know about that you're still talking about tokenization now, but just in a different context. 
we we just did a, we can't stop talking about tokenization <laughs> um, and and we and we want to but no one will let us stop talking about it <laughs> the the thing is is the, there's this i think what you're touching on is really interesting because perennial topics and education education is about having context and in in payments and in a lot of industries you think biomedical you think a lot of different industries out there today things are changing really really fast how do you keep up and learn in an environment that's changing under your feet all the time as a professional and you do that when you have context, right? You weren't there. There's a lot of people in payments today that weren't there nine years ago. But if you can provide them a way to find the context and to derive, why is this important? How is this different today than before or in the past? Or what's been going on in this space? Then you're giving them something that they can't get out of a news article per se in the moment in time. They can't get it from reading the tech spec for the dev guide for whatever they're trying to do. It, it's it, And you can't really get it out of a lot of the, the papers that are out there even. You know, the papers might give you a sense of what was going on, but they're not going to kind of give you that full context. So we're really trying to curate, to George's credit, we're trying to curate an environment where people can come and find out things and hear a little bit of that historic, like, you know, you can eavesdrop in on what was going on. You can actually hear Scott talking about what happened at a conference nine years ago that does have relevance, even if it's changed knowing that context is so important to people because they can learn faster, they can come up to speed faster, they can make better decisions with context. And we're really, a, you know, we're super passionate about educating the industry. Um, we've had, at Glenbrook, we've had over, I've lost count, I think it's now this year, it's gonna be like 33 or 34,000 people go through one of our education workshops. And about that, many have bought the book that Carol and, and others collaborated on years ago. And, you know, we're, we're getting ready to rewrite that again. So it's, it's one of those things where the context sets the table for people. And we just don't see a lot of opportunity, you know, other groups taking the opportunity to do that. So, so that's one of the things that we try to do. And one of the things I loved about doing the podcast and, and, and still enjoy listening with, with that and, um, and, and, and a new podcast I've, I've, we've started producing, uh, is the opportunity in a conversation to have a, a question that wasn't in the script. And I'm putting that in air quotes because whatever the guest may have said sparks a new thought and they get to run down that track and, you know, that's that's i i know i'm not so unique that uh and interesting that i if i have a thought that someone else hasn't had the same thought it was listening so you know to, so we really get to expand that context in a way that uh ends up being a lot deeper than what you to your point of that 
about what you may come away with from reading a white paper, for example. Right. Talking about that sparking additional thoughts, uh, George, how do you, so it's very interesting that now we look back at topics you've talked about nine years ago, and I was scrolling through some of your episodes when you did quite a few on Apple Podcasts uh, and Apple Pay, sorry, Apple Pay, not Apple Podcasts, obviously. That's typically a title that could still be quite successful today is because digital wallets are all the hype also for corporates and so on. Mm-hmm. Podcast as a media would be, okay, we try to do long format, eventually insightful conversations, um, eventually evergreen content. But on the other hand, when you're focusing on thought leadership, you need to be topical, right? You need to be mm-hmm. seen as experts. Experts have the latest insights and already know what's coming. So how do you balance this when you start a podcast that aims at uh, showing yourself as thought leaders on the industry, but also discussing insights and providing value whilst balancing this with evergreen content that you want people to be able to go back nine years ago, which is quite a thing actually, and say, oh, well, back then they were talking about this and it's still relevant. How do you balance that? It's not easy. We actually, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know how George, I can say how I'm doing it now, but George, how did you do it first? How did you just? Uh, you know, honestly, I I wasn't very sophisticated. I was sort of following my nose in terms of what 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 is what is getting a lot of discussion right now. What is what's creating the most the uh, biggest question stream? And out of that, to your your point, some topics are very of the minute, right? Mm-hmm. And they need to be addressed. But others, we had questions about, um, you know, how does settlement actually take place? How does money move between bank accounts? I did a, a we did a, uh, a podcast with uh, one of Glenbrook's founders, Karen Coy Benson, who's an expert on settlement. And I haven't, I, I don't have the ability to look anymore, but I, that I, I'll bet you that's still in the top three, if not the number it's one. It's still in the years. top three or the top five. We try to do a little post every year of like, what's what's on the leaderboard. And she's still up there. Uh, if not number one position, she's up there. But to your point, uh, we had one with Steve Kleeb, who's in the been in the payments industry for, I think, since he was born. Um, and <laughs> and uh, Just us. he came out, he had credit cards, <laughs> but, but, but you know, when, when, uh, when he did one with us on Google pay, which was very topical, mm-hmm. it was topical because Google was doing some really interesting work at that point, but it was also topical because he was explaining how they did it. And so, it, but the explanation, even though it was new at the time, it still holds. The The novel thing that they did still holds, right? So that was really kind of an interesting one that we fell into something that was like topical and continuing education. So sometimes like George, it just happens, which when I'm doing the quote unquote script uh, and the the write-up that goes with the script and the the show notes, I try to set a context so that every episode now has some background in it deliberately. Awesome. And that preamble is for the new listener or the listener who's in payments for years but has never heard about or talked about this specific topic, which is 
common. So it gives people a little bit of a, let's, let's just hone in on what we're about to talk about so that you can follow along in the conversation. And then we try to, to sort of start out with building on that context or bringing in some questions that build on the context. And then we go a little bit deeper. Then we try to double click or let the conversation kind of take it, take its course, right, with, with the person that we have on. So the guest is, is driving, but we're guiding, if you think of it that way. Right. And, and that gives them a level of comfort, too, that, that we're um, teeing up and representing their, their thought process. And, of course, they get to see all that preamble as part of it before we get them actually into a situation where we're recording. So they're pretty comfortable. And then we have a giant disclaimer on that that says, these questions may lead us down other paths. <laughs> be, be forewarned. Don't show up if you don't, if you can't deal with that. Right. So, yeah, but no one's ever that, like ghosted us. So I think pretty good. We, we, we put that one in very early. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Don't be surprised if this goes in a different direction. Uh, than anticipated. So podcasting as a medium really enables all the things that you said there, right? Like, it enables the free flow conversation, which maybe you don't get from writing a blog post or, or a, a white paper. It gives you the uh, context. I really like that insight, actually, that, that the context of a conversation and the way you have a conversation, it it's almost like a time machine, right? You can go back to 2009 and really feel like you're there and be like, okay, this was really the conversations that are happening. Or 2014, this was what people were saying about Bitcoin back then. Um, which I guess historians do today with newspaper articles, with things like when we study 1940s and the events that happened in the 21st, 20th century. I remember in the history classes, we would be looking at newspaper articles and we'd be looking at these kind of things to understand the context of what people were thinking at the time and everything like that. But podcasting as a medium gives you that context in such a human, innate storytelling format that, sure, reading is incredible human experience, but listening to a conversation or conversations in general just so do, do you see that podcasting lends itself as a medium and which provides attributes such as pod, uh, context and whatnot other than the other forms of content? Because you guys are big on content. You've got the book, you've got the blog post, you've got the newsletter, you've got all these things, but you have the podcast. What does the podcast give as a medium? So I'll, I'll just quickly say that in my experience with at Glenbrook, we got a, a, a blog called Payments Views. And when we looked at, just looked at the, the data, the, the, the view, we would put a, a blog post out there and it would get a, a great spike for three or five days. If on a, and then, but for a podcast, it had tremendous longevity in terms of in every month you know there's another 100 downloads another 100 listens on something that's a year old two years old which really speaks to that hunger i think for context and it's also got a lot to do with as you said the storytelling aspect and it's also it's also convenient i believe it or not i i, I actually can fold laundry and listen to a podcast the same exactly time. i was gonna say come on it's like the gym thing like you go yeah. to the gym <laughs> you listen to your podcast you catch up you're on well when we used to commute a lot i don't know if everyone's commuting anymore. 
or folding laundry or washing the dishes or whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's audio. It's around you. You can, you can do other stuff and still be tuned in if you will. And I don't think people read as much as they used to, honestly. And so I think it's a, it's sort of more contemporary with the way people want to absorb information. Convenience is a huge thing. We always joke about the, the gym, your pot, your payments on fire at the gym or whatever. Yeah. The, the other thing that your question brought to mind was we actually have been playing around with a short form called Fanning the Flames that we started as a a way to incorporate timeliness or more of a Glenbrook people talking to Glenbrook people, thought leadership kind of uh, cut at things. So uh, of course we co-host with each other. I'm the host right now. I'm in the host chair, but uh, we co-host and bring other partners on all the time and other associates. We, you know, everyone's fair game to get to pull into a podcast with us. But when we do a fanning the flames, the idea is it's just us talking. There's no external guest. And that gives us a little bit of latitude to give opinions a little bit more or be a little more topical or talk about what just happened at Money 2020 or some other big conference in the industry what did we see? What did we observe that was different from last year? What are we keeping an eye on? Um, so that that that's another thing. You can kind of make a little uh, spin-off brand to you can't do that in a written format. And it's hard if you try to I don't I can't even imagine how I would do that in a written format. But it gives you a lot of latitude as a medium to experiment. Um, as a creator. So how do those episodes perform versus the other ones? Are people interested in that versus the other format? I love our listeners. Um, I, I'm learning <laughs> more and more about them. And, you know, we're doing a lot more with metrics on these podcasts. And mm-hmm. what's we've, we've experienced a few um, aha moments in our metrics mm-hmm. over the last year. And one of them is, it doesn't matter what we dish up, they're there for us. They're listening. <laughs> so so a Payments on Fire guest podcast and a Fanning the Flames, Glenbrook talking to Glenbrook kind of conversation are equally great. Like, like the, okay. the, the listenership is there. Um, we the also place. found out we can exhaust our listeners because we upped our, our production to once a week. And people could not keep up. So we were dropping every Wednesday for most of this year. And um, I think, George, the, the the prior average was like every two to three weeks-ish, usually every two. But yeah, if, if, I, if I got, two, got out two a month, that was, uh, yeah. you know, I was doing well. Yeah. And <laughs> it, was, so, it was all handcrafted. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were every, you were doing everything, scoop to nuts. Uh, but the, the, you can kind of exhaust your listeners if you're doing too much content is what we eventually. learned eventually. So we're, we're back to George's um, prescient uh, twice a month drop, every other week drop schedule. So. Yeah. Speaking of, we also have other things to do with it. <laughs> a couple, a couple. <laughs> eventually. 
But speaking of um, speaking of co-hosting and exactly what you just mentioned here, so for context for our listeners, George, you started the Payments on Fire podcast, which was also um, colorfully named College Radio Station, but then handed it over to to Yvette. In most companies, what we've seen is that you have when there is a podcast within that company, there is a podcast champion, and that champion carries the podcast, make sure everything happens, uh, get the post production done, get the publishing done, and so on. Sometimes that champion leaves the company or is put on another project and the podcast dies out. You have a very interesting story in the sense that, George, you uh, handed it over to Yvette and Yvette made it a further success than it was even before. How do you make that happening? Like making sure the podcast doesn't die out and finding the right person to hand it over to take it further? Uh, well, it was, it, was, it was, I think, pretty straightforward in our case. Yvette had... In fact, my recollection is we had done some podcasts together prior to, I had a health event, I had to stop and, and event, but, you know, we, we'd worked closely with the, with one another as, as educators. And as I said, she'd already participated in the podcast and the mechanics were pretty well laid down. And so it was a, a pretty seamless transition and, you know, that's just gone from strength to strength with it. You're too kind. Now, it was it was actually scary uh, being on the other side of that equation, George. <laughs> Tell us about that. Tell us about that. That's interesting. Yeah, definitely. So it's a little intimidating. I think George had done, uh, produced, hosted and produced 160. 70-ish? I think that's the right number, something like that. Podcasts yeah. before I showed up. And maybe there was some overlap in there if I was co-hosting with you during that period of time. But picking up at that point with an established audience of listeners who have a set of expectations, as much as I was super excited to be co-hosting with George and as, you know, Glad I was, not glad that you had a health issue, obviously, but happy to help out, you know, I'm glad to help out and keep it going because it was important to our firm and it was important to our listeners, I think, to keep it going. Um, it's a little intimidating, actually, like picking up the baton. And, you know, we were, <laughs> we were doing these podcasts at first and then looking at the numbers and being like, are people still going to listen? It was a little scary, right? You don't want to mess up something that somebody's built a legacy into for the firm and for your personal legacy of doing this podcast. Uh, I didn't want to be the one that like turned everybody, you know, got everyone to turn the channel. <laughs> that would have been... That, that was something I never thought would happen. <laughs> well, and it was my worst nightmare. <laughs> Oh, shoot. But, it's, but that's, it's, uh, it's great fun now. It's a great yeah. joy. But it was scary at first. And that's a super interesting point, Yvette. Um, what we've experienced, Hussam and I, with our other podcasts, and we suspect a lot of podcasters who start out that podcast, when you publish the first episode, eventually you know that you will get maybe a few dozens uh, listens. If you do a bit of advertisement around it, you will get a couple hundreds. And then you just keep on publishing consistently, and all of a sudden you have... 5,000 downloads a month, even more. And you're like, well, I've been doing it so far. So it's, it's just progressing. I'm happy about it. 
taking over from somebody who gets that kind of numbers and even more with payments on fire, like dozens, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. And you're like, I need to take that over and I need to do that right. If we get into the advices for the podcasters out there, what are the things you've put in place? Have you looked at the type of content that was doing well, for instance, and tried to replicate that? Where you tr did you try to implement your own personality, your own questions? Like, what was a bit the reasoning behind it to say, okay, it's scary, but I'm going to make this work? That's a great question. Um, I think there were certain things that we absolutely wanted to stay true to, right? Mm -hmm. The premise of the podcast, making sure we had a balance. So, you, you know, we bring in people who are in the industry and we also bring in people who are new to the industry, startup founders and things like that. And, and we try to have some variation in the, in the topics. It's a survey, right? So we may over-index a little bit because something's going on in the industry and there's just a whole lot of it, but we can't do a 100% on topic X, right? Um, and if we are going into a topic very deeply, like this past year, we did a lot on fast payment systems and instant payments with FedNow launching and PICS in Brazil going skyrocketing, all these things going on in the particular uh, space of payments. But we made sure that we were getting different angles to it, right? So we weren't just saying the same thing with the same type of guest over and over again. And it's interesting because it actually is hard when people write you, you know, they can, they can email us at paymentsonfire.com and like say, I have a guest idea, you know, or they'll use our info at and contact us for them and say, I, I'd like to submit someone as a guest. And they'll say, I just heard so-and-so talking on this topic and we do that too. And it's like, gee, <laughs> um, you know, that's great. So why <laughs> I'm sure you you're good at it, but, but yeah. And so you have to really kind of dig. The other thing that George uh, kind of laid the, the ground rule uh, that we've definitely kept is you can't turn it into an advertisement about your product. Um, this isn't an infomercial. We'll, we'll let people talk about what they're doing, obviously, um, and a little bit about the product if it's relevant and gives them, con you know, context to the rest of the conversation. But we really steer clear of promotional advertising. I guess is the way to say it. it we, as as people in the industry and as consumers, we, we're inundated with that kind of stuff all the time. This is really about keeping it real and having a conversation. And that I think goes back to your point of it, it, that respects the medium that respects the essence of what a podcast should be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's too directional. Yeah. And I'd say it's also mapped nicely to the consultancy in that we would have ideas for podcasts come from partners who are working in different area than I worked in. You know, I, I did a lot of work in security and in emergent acceptance of payments, but our, we would speak with folks from Brazil because of Elizabeth, Elizabeth McQuarrie's expertise in global payments. Right. So it, it, to that extent, it, it was a, 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 it's a vehicle to showcase the breadth of our, of our knowledge and showcase individual 
partners and, and, and team members. Um, and I make it up, but because I don't know the answer because we never did take any advertising. But if you start taking advertising, you lose a sense of, you lose a certain level of freedom, right? Also, yeah. So yeah. that's a really nice transition because one of the things we wanted to talk about was, I mean, Glenbrook Partners is payments consultancy. You guys have a business and you're making, I'm sure, hopefully good money off of that as well. And the podcast, as much as education is incredibly important and you want to do good for the space, and you guys, I'm guessing, bill quite high for your time. So the time that you spend on the podcast, what's the ROI? It doesn't have to be monetary, right? I'm asking for a number specifically. But the ROI on the time that you invest into a podcast, do you see the business benefit come back? Have people said to you, hey, yeah, have you sold consulting services from that? Have you, has it had some form of, you know, like either direct or indirect monetary gain for you? I think it helps us stay top of mind with with the industry. It's it's an indirect gain. I w I don't think it's a direct gain, I, and I don't think it was really meant to be uh, that. Uh, and I I'm going to come back to that point because there's something else that's kind of funny about that. But who is it a direct gain for? I want to comment on that, but. Um, it's an indirect, and we actually consider it and budget it as part of our marketing spend. So we have education, and the podcast is educational, but for a workshop or for a book, you know, people spend money for those things, right? But for a podcast, a blog post, a payments views post, our news feeds, we, we don't charge for all those things. So it's, it's considered marketing. And, and just like any other marketing activity, people try to pin ROI on it all the time. And it's like pinning, you know, it's like nailing jello to a wall. It's, it's, well, we think this happened, but it's very hard to get a direct correlation. But it's really important because we think that as much as it, it helps us stay top of mind for listeners, it also helps listeners stay on top of the industry. And the more informed the industry is about what's going on, the stronger it is. And and it really is part, it sounds a little bit, you know, aspirational. It is aspirational. Um, so it's it's marketing, but it's also aspirational to make the industry better. And, and a lot of the consulting firms in this space will focus on a particular segment or a particular form of payment or, you know, in this very broad and complicated industry we call the payments industry. We kind of work with all parties um, to help everyone get stronger. So, so we just have a slightly different philosophy than a lot of folks out there. So it's indirect for us. Interestingly, I have recorded some podcasts particularly with individuals who are founders of companies. And after they've been on the show, they write me back and they're gobsmacked. They can't believe it because all of a sudden investors are reaching out to them. All of a sudden there's all this interest in them, right? And we weren't trying to do that, but they just came across so well talking about whatever they were talking about that they suddenly got 
Super company. And that's happened. I don't know, George, if it happened with you, but it's happened to me now already, like multiple times where people come back and go, I can't believe what being on your podcast did um, for our for our little company. And I thought that was really super cool. For- you didn't even ask for founder stock. Or- <laughs> I didn't know. There's no, <laughs> there's no direct correlation here, um, but it it's it has helped, and so that's kind of an interesting, uh, something that I didn't expect. Um, and then a lot of times we'll have a guest on, and they'll be like, "I got into the industry reading your book." Or, you know, going to one of your workshops and here I am. And like now they're like SVP, VP, CEO, founder, CIO, CTO, whatever of some payments company, you know, five, 10 years later. So it's, it's a, um, it, that's kind of cool too, you know. And following up on that and not to challenge it, challenge it even because I really like the spirit and the approach in the consulting industry in particular the branding and the personal branding of a partner also makes what the consulting business is about, right? And how successful it could be. By that, I mean, there is a direct correlation between being on top of mind and getting engagements eventually as a indirect effect. I also like, I also like what you mentioned in the sense of getting into rooms that you would have potentially not, but also the people who gravitate around you because of the brand you've created and the thought leadership medium that you've created when they become those um, C-suits, uh, payment responsible or in fit techs, 10 years after, the first person I would think about when it, they will have to face a payment issue is, yeah, I mean, Yvette, obviously, is going to be her. And it's a very long-term game, which is what we really appreciated with payments for and podcasts in general. But that's very beneficial, ultimately, in the overall space, right, on top of the thought leadership aspect. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, we could take out billboards too, <laughs> you know, right? Like that's, it's sort of, it does kind of bring that on. But I think what you're touching on is why it's important that we bring in co-hosts, um, that we do showcase the breadth and the bench strength that we have. But it's, it's done from a genuine perspective of of wanting to discuss an important topic, right? We could probably have it a lot easier if we did a podcast where we were just sort of letting people show up and say whatever they wanted to say to us, right? For sure. And and so it's it takes a lot more effort so it really is tracked as a marketing cost for us and my time writing a a a script up is like every hour i spend is tracked in our our bookkeeping system we're just not charging any money so it goes under the marketing budget and all of is a firm right all of the other partners have to be okay with that right so um so george's radio station he had to go ask, yes, he had to go say, I'm going to start spending time doing this thing. And, you know, and they, they thankfully let him, right. <laughs> and agreed as partners. Um, how did you make that Even though they job? kidded him, right? <laughs> yeah. How did you make the that? Business case. What was how the did you convince case? everyone well, that that was one a good idea? didn't use the Glenbrook because Glenbrook's not a big firm. We, <laughs> with payments on fire, we now have a bigger, a, a, a bigger voice, which is also helpful competitively because they're, monster consultancies out there that we we compete with um 
How did you tell them? How did you like? Hi, I'm going to do no, a podcast. Like, and they said, "Start your own radio station." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, Brian didn't make that comment until after I'd gotten a couple of episodes out, oh. <laughs> and but I said uh, where I was going was it? Glenbrook's a small firm. Um, it's in the, it's a creative firm. Let's try stuff, and nice, nice. So and and. You know, it's also the case that the barriers to entry for podcasting are pretty damn low, right? <laughs> I mean, in true. terms of in terms of the technology and the costs to get it, to get up and running and get your get your what you have to say, uh, get the recording out there. That's pretty inexpensive. It's all that front end work though that Yvette just was talked about, the setting up the context, writing that, the preamble to the script. You know that's really focuses everybody. Uh, that's 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 critically important, and that's uh, frankly that's where the added value comes in. That's actually why people listen to Payments on Fire. No, because it's targeted. There's real information. Uh, I was laughing to myself a minute ago, thinking to the one or two episodes I had where the guest didn't quite get the get the, the 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 rule that no you're not blogging your product here and actually i think I've, there were one or two where i went i'm not going to publish that wow. yeah yeah we we do like there was one i remember we recorded and we were like this just doesn't hit hit for us right it just isn't and it's hard to say like don't please don't ask me like what exactly that criteria is like if you're advertising we'll either say, hey, wait a second, we're going to just pull that back. Um, but there are, there's sort of a, a something that we're going after. Yeah. And and we have a lot of latitude to not, because we're not getting paid to do it by an external party, mm -hmm. and it is more of our marketing spend, um, we have the latitude to say, that's not how we want to show up. Mm -hmm. And and that, that freedom is really really important to us. Authenticity. I really like that. Yeah. No, interesting I, indeed. Payments is super complicated. It's, uh, I was in, I was in the business for yeah. two years before joining Glenbrook where I actually understood how card processing works. And actually it was only till I got to Glenbrook and took some of the Glenbrook classes where I really were really locked in for me. You know, so there's anybody who's in interested in payments, you know, payments on fire is a great way for them to get, start to acclimated, acclimated to thinking about how it, how it works. Yeah. Um, Those are the nicest notes that I get on LinkedIn. And that is, uh, thank you so much because I'm new and I, I don't. I actually listen so I can figure out what I'm supposed to do in my job, <laughs> what's going on here and how to make sense of all the stuff that's happening. So it's, those are like just the nicest things, you know, yeah. Yeah. and I have a parallel as well. So our other podcast is Corporate Treasury 101, where we mm -hmm. just break down treasury topics in a similar fashion almost. And uh, I think one of the first emails we ever got when we started it, I think it was almost, it must've been a year ago now, was a guy reached out to us and said, um, hey guys, I just wanted to say I just landed my first job as yeah. a lawyer uh, in a treasury uh, company. 
that deals with it was a treasury consultancy actually and, yeah yeah and uh he said like i have no clue what treasury runs <laughs> and and uh, i just listened to all of your podcasts i went in there and nailed the interview because i had context about what the consultants was actually about i knew what cash flow forecasting was i knew what all these different t- terms meant i knew at least the basics about what treasury is um and then that was enough for me as a lawyer to get the job at this uh, this firm. And it was the first it was the first email we ever got from any it's the first time we we realized humans were listening. <laughs> numbers on a screen. <laughs> to treasury. To treasury. Imagine a surprise. <laughs> so it was indeed it was a very warming feeling. It was like, oh hey, we, yeah. we did some good in the world. And you guys have a great podcast, by the way. I've pointed people Thank to you. your podcast yeah, because they'll ask that. me a treasury question. I'm like, I can answer your question, but you really should go to you know, like <laughs> download payments on fire, but the next one you want. <laughs> First in line, payments on fire, but then if you have a bit of time. We Love all our children <laughs> swim a little more than others. <laughs> Fair. So I, I did have one one guy and which, which was like, I didn't want this to happen at all. Uh, come to me and said, you know, I don't really actually need to take one of the Glenbrook boot camps because I've just all the payments on fire. <laughs> yeah, so I, that's only happened once. <laughs> Did you stick around in the company very long? Or? <laughs> no, and you didn't stick around in the company very long. That mindset. Um, we don't. Super know. interesting. But George, look, sorry. Okay. Go ahead. And, George, you're a bit of a, so coming back to the ROI question, right? You clearly saw the benefit to starting payments on fire. I mean, one is just the longevity of it, and it continued. Anything in the last nine years, you know, I'm sure very competitive uh, consultancy where there's lots of priorities and partners' time is very valuable and whatnot to keep anything going for nine years had, of course, benefits. Uh, but also, I mean, in your new venture as well, you started another podcast. So it's almost like fresh new venture started very quickly with the new podcast as well, right alongside it. Um, and so we started this new podcast called Making Data Better. Um, after, as I said, my health event, um, I fell in with um, a guy named Steve Wilson from Lockstep Consulting in, um, in Australia. And, you know, I've been, actually even before Glenbrook, uh, I joined Glenbrook um, in 2013, uh, he and I had worked on some ideas around uh, how do you how do you share data in this digital world in order to accomplish uh, online identification for fraud and risk management purposes? And uh, Steve and I, for the last year and a half and more, have been working on a model um, on how we think data could be shared more efficiently and effectively and securely. We're taking the, if you're familiar, actually I got a big kick out of looking at some of the early titles. I was writing, we were to podcasting about the Fido Alliance and biometrics uh, uh, eight years ago. And I just came from a conference in Carlsbad, California, a couple a month or so ago, um, about the launch of something called um, Passkeys, which are device-based replacements for passwords. You know, passwords are just awful. It's We've got, we're using plain text for authentication. Passkeys now supported by Google and Meta and, and Apple, uh, we have devices, you know, and the, there's a device that's basically glued to our bodies all the time, right? And this device has got chipsets in it that can be used for identification for authentication. Steve and I are positing that uh, 
why don't we use the same approach for driver's licenses, for mobile numbers, for email addresses, for account numbers, and make those being presented in a device-based way rather than letting them all out there in the world where somebody can copy and paste and you know use that data to defeat a, a, a synthetic identity. And there's a whole business ecosystem that needs to be in place. And so we're, you know, Steve is an expert in online privacy. Um, and we think this is the, a, 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 an important way for people to be thinking about data custodianship and provenance uh, and making data better. The podcast, um, which is on all the feeds and making better, making data better um, It's completely got all the DNA from Payments on Fire. Just want to have good conversations with people to get them thinking about how to, there has to be a better way than what we're doing now because just here in the US, uh, fraud losses just at the federal level are now running in the hundreds of billions of dollars over the course of a year. This is serious stuff. This is the wealth of of individuals and countries while well, moving from the US into the hands of uh, organized crime and, and uh, nation states that we aren't uh, particularly familiar, uh, friendly with. So another another way of having a conversation and and the, the podcast is the, is a perfect vehicle for what are basically two guys with a growing set of allies to get the, get the word out. Yvette, are you are you ready to take over at some point? It's <laughs> <laughs> well, no, twice. Not to, I don't need to do it again. <laughs> no, no, George, you're healthy. You're healthy. You're happy, healthy, and you're doing well. And I am, I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm, <laughs> and I know great. better than to do more than uh, two two drops a month. So anyway, so. But yeah, no, I think it's fascinating that you're, it kind of speaks to, there's certain things that make, and, and I guess this is why you're doing this podcast, this series that we're talking on right now. There's best practices around this stuff and it's not a one size fits all, but you have to kind of know your, your true North and your best practices and hone them, but kind of stay true to them as you hone them. So you have a leg up going in it right right yeah, from the get go. Experienced. Well, I'll be uh, I'll be calling my my former colleagues and partners at uh, Glenbrook to participate in making data better because mm-hmm. you know payments says uh, re- data really matters in payments. Hundred percent. Well, this is kind of an interesting thing though too because it's there is this phenomenon of people are using this medium and then they're collaborating through this medium and you see that i mean this is going on youtube a lot of the stuff i watch on youtube that has absolutely nothing to do with payments like cooking shows or something when i want to like (laughs) not think about payments gardening all this stuff um they'll say i hooked up with this person who does this channel on youtube and i'm doing this this week and they're doing this this week and you know after you watch my episode go watch theirs to get the other side of this or whatever and that's that's different in this medium whether it's audio or audio visual right 
this sort of creator phenomenon is sparking something that I don't think there's really an analogy to in television per se or, you know, blog posts were Mm. kind of an individual thing, right? Yeah. There, there is this sort of cross collaborative environment that's out there. It's not huge, but it's, it's there and it's kind of growing. I I think it's, we've seen that. It's all conversations, right? So podcasting, because at its core is about conversations, um, those conversations can be you with your partners in a consultancy, for example. Those conversations could be you with someone interesting, or that could be on your platform with someone else who has a platform as well, right? So because I think it's conversation-orientated, um, and it's dialogue, right? Whereas the other mediums that you mentioned are less so. Even TV, okay, maybe you'll have a panel discussion, maybe you have a a talk show or something like this. Um, other than that, it's typically one way. It's you with the audience, right? It's you speaking to the audience or you showing something to the audience. Whereas a podcast is a few people having a really interesting conversation that happens to be recorded for everyone else to listen as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that lends itself very easily to this collaborative effort. And I think that's uh, from what we've seen from podcasting in general across the various podcasts we either have done ourselves or clients with whom we manage their podcasts and whatnot is it's just such a great networking tool in so many different ways right so you say it's just we want to educate the space you're also a, educating yourself by having really interesting conversations you get access to people that maybe if you said hey can you just come over and have a chat in our office and have a coffee maybe they're not going to do that but because you're also giving them a platform you get to talk with some really high level people um so, and which maybe you wouldn't have gotten into that room in another context. Um, so just the conversational aspect of it, yes, the platform helps, lends itself really, really nicely to this collaborative effect that you mentioned there about, I think. How do you feel about live stream podcasting uh, versus recorded? Good question. What do you think that's going Yeah, so- Be I'm careful, sorry. I'm gonna start interviewing you guys. <laughs> So that, that's that's the need to make sure that this, the format of this podcast is interviewing hosts. Hosts are really difficult to interview. You guys have been good. Our, our rule was we can go off script at any time. Yeah, that's exactly. right. But I, I'm asking because we just did our first. Uh, okay, how did it go? Live stream. It went pretty well. Yeah. Um, but it was it was different. Yeah. So it, it's different in a couple of ways, I think, in, from what we've seen, right? So a couple of things is this. One is, um, depends what you're optimizing for. I'm, I'm going to use engineering language here, sorry. So if it's like, uh, hey, look, we're going to do a live stream and then that's going to turn into a long form content as well. We're just going to publish it because it'll be recorded and we can just put it out. Right. Uh, that's fine. You still get all the benefits of podcasting and along with um, some form of community on the, in the moment. I think that's what live streaming gives you. If you want to really optimize for the live stream itself, then you have all of this hype you really need to build to make sure everyone's there at the same time. You need to do all marketing around it. You need to make people aware. You need to like be putting it in front of people's faces again and again. And then on the day, people will actually turn up because they know what's happening. You need to do marketing for your marketing in that mm-hmm. sense. Whereas with a podcast, you just publish it. You can post-market it um, yeah. in a much bigger way as opposed to trying to build hype and then everything relies on that one day. 
Um, so that's a little bit what makes it a bit more difficult. The engagement inside the room as well is also quite different. Um, people are a bit more relaxed when you tell them at the start, as we always do, hey, everything can be edited. You're going to see it before it goes live. So people are a bit more relaxed. Like, I can be free. And then in post, we can tidy up and make sure I don't go to jail or get fired or whatever else. <laughs> in, in, in a bit of a cancel culture that we live in or whatever else, mm -hmm. right? So, mm -hmm. so people are a bit more free. Did you find it difficult to get people to come on to do a live one versus the podcast? Or did you already have the people in mind? We had people in mind. We very we were very lucky we, when we approached them um, to be on the panel. Uh, they graciously said yes, and it was wonderful. I do think we had a little bit more uh, planning involved, and we, we did it. We were going to do it in person, and then we just couldn't find the right time. It does take, like, I think you'd be planning it 8, 12 months out to actually yeah. do it very, very well in person. Mm -hmm. We were like five, six months out and we decided it was too tight. So we did it virtually, which really opened it up. Mm -hmm. um, and it, the, so it was a virtual live stream. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. you would, what the right term right. is. It, we, they were live. A webinar. It was live. Yeah. Um, but there was a little bit more of that making sure the interview didn't go off the rails. So we were a little bit more careful because we didn't want to put anyone in a position. We kind of knew that what to stay away from and what they could talk about up front. And we didn't have that luxury of the post-production editing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, so from that angle. So it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it, but I, I don't know if I'd rush to do another one because I don't know if I enjoy it as much as as doing what we do. Right. So. Did you did you take questions live even in this webinar? Because for me, that's one of the main benefits I see of the webinar format. Oh, like you can engagement, yeah. and you interact with the actual audience. Whereas in a right. podcast, that's harder to do. Is it something you did for the webinar? We did take questions, but okay. we we curated them a little bit. Makes sense. So yeah. if if it was something that we knew the panelist would be okay answering, we passed it through. Yeah. And if if it was not, <laughs> we didn't take it. We just yeah. we and we 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 wrote back to the person like we said, you know, we're sorry, yeah. but can't take this one. But so to to your main point about we had to make sure it was within what we agreed upon in terms of structure and not going too mm -hmm. much off rail. Personally, I think that's something we share with you, Sam. We love going off-piste. That's one yeah. of the main benefits of the podcast. I mean, for this very one, we are very far from the initial structure that we had in mind. But that's the magic of the podcast. And that's what makes it engaging. And the way we describe it, the way we describe podcasts for people who are hesitating, something is like when you're defining your format, ideally, you want the audience to be listening to two friends talking about the topic they want to listen about. That's what you should be aiming for. Because then you're like achieving um, closeness. I'm not sure of my English here, but like you're in the person's ears, as you said, you're folding laundry. Intimate, yeah. exactly. And that's the main benefit of the podcast that we see if you want to engage and create momentum and like scale it. Um, that's something with the webinar, which is harder to do, but you have other benefits such as the indirect engagement with the community, which is a bit of a different way to do it, but works as well. That's, mm -hmm. I think, the main take home. George, do you have any insights? What's your thoughts? Do you ever think consider doing it? 
live streaming. Oh, seen something uh, happen? No, he's all good. No, actually, I would. I, it, it feels actually constraining because uh, you you. There's interesting because you know, you've, you've got you, you've got to say it's going to run from one to two p.m. Pacific. Uh, so you got to wrap. You got to land it at a certain amount of time. Someone's got it. Dad, I know you were watching the clock and making sure that I've already got the right amount of coverage for those who are participating. So I love the the context setting. You know, you come to the we come to the podcast. Say, here's the here's the really the vector of the topic that we're talking about and this is this is going to guide the conversation to when we bring the guest in and, and we want to find out the, what the guest's story is there's a lot of interest in that I'm, i've learned that you know not just say you're hi welcome bob um and you know, your title and let's topic and like how the heck did get into payment this is yeah. kind of you know, <laughs> How how did um, you land on this doorstep talking to us today about this? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the guest will say, I've never been in payments and it's my third week on the job and I'm the new uh, CFO, CTO, whatever, CPO. That's always interesting. Right. Mm. Um, and, and so it gives people an insight into their perspective, into the guest perspective. When you do that, mm -hmm. I also we started doing something where we were doing a redux after the after the the interview. Right. That honestly, we kind of got away from uh, this year, and we just did it. We just did it. Russ and I just did a, a recording with uh, with a payments organization called EMVCO, and we did the interview. And after we recorded, I said, "Russ, stay on." I I want to do a redux here with you. And so it's really us talking about what we just heard uh, from the guest. And that's kind of a fun thing to do. We don't, clearly we don't do it all the time, but it can be very helpful, especially when you've heard, you know that your audience has just heard uh, 10 things that they weren't, that need to get threaded a little bit or need to get put into a sequence or this because of that kind of association to kind of bring it up to the next level that you didn't get to in the interview for whatever reason. And, and it sort of gives them a sense of, oh, that's what I just heard. Oh, I see why they were talking about that. Or that was, and that's always been, or, or what our take was on it, right? That's it. And that's the part that George really enjoyed. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you think about what you just heard? Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of a fun fun thing but, to do. No, that is really interesting. I think a live webinar isn't too far off a conference and attending a conference. Um, it just means that people can do it from the comfort of their homes. I think that's, and maybe you can a broader audience and a wider audience because of that. Um, so I don't think it sticks true to all the benefits that we see from podcasting specifically, because I think podcasting gives you the nice middle between uh, the scripted television show, right? So you still can get a nice storyline just like a television show will give you, where it does require a little bit of curation, a little bit of structure, a little bit of like storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. And actually having a coherent story, adding value in it, post if you can't, and like just the magic of production. 
um, whilst staying close to the panel discussion uh, world where you can have a free-forming conversation. He doesn't feel too scripted. I mean, it depends on the f- script, not format of the podcast, of course. Um, for example, we have clients that just say, no, just make sure if uh, we say anything stupid, cut it out, otherwise leave it as is. I want to say, I want every um out. And others will say, no, I want it like a real, like a TV show, like a radio show, right? right? And though that, that you can post a podcast like that as well. We tend to hold more towards the conversational side of the spectrum, but um, you get that feel of you're in the middle of a conversation um, and you can, you know, add a little bit of that post-production magic to it as well to just give it that little bit of highlight, let's say. Um, but I think... <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I was just like... I spent a lot of time removing my own ums and ums. <laughs> <laughs> Can relate here. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. But to, to your point, I, I just want to Guillaume, you used the word authenticity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, podcasting has, it's one of that, it's a rare medium where the authenticity uh, gets communicated, right? I mean, TV, where it's all teleprompter. Right. As well as all so much stuff. Look, there's so much bullshit out there in the world. <laughs> Let's and, say the things. And and, and human beings with different levels, and certainly my own, it moves around, have different, no, no, have different, so we all have bullshit filters. We can all hear it when it's, and, you know, so it's a relief to come to a medium where you get to choose. You get to, you get to discern yourself. Right. Decide, wow. decide whether am I going to believe what I'm hearing from these folks? Is this is this truly valuable to me? Um, and of course, if it's not valuable, you can just you know turn it off. But uh, but you're not being sh- you're at choice as you listen to these things, and and it, it it gets lets us use our human instincts and human skills of finding what's relevant to us and throwing the rest aside. I like Amen. It. Yeah, hundred percent. <laughs> I don't even say anything more on that. It's, that yeah, that's uh, wrapping it up. I mean, uh... <laughs> and on that <laughs> note, <laughs> yeah. all you podcasters out there, <laughs> no bullshit, <laughs> no BS. Yeah. Well, was a uh, Gary Marcus a, a, a paraphrase of this? You know, a huge topic of conversation in my world, and I know in yours of that has been is well in the whole world generative AI, right? Mm-hmm. And the par- to paraphrase Marcus is, you know, we now have a tool out there that can create bullshit at industrial scale in zero. Yeah. <laughs> we, need, exactly. we, need, we, need, exactly. we need alternatives. We need, oh, facts. Facts. <laughs> Don't get carried away, George. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can't have any podcast in any format without mentioning AI, just to be clear. That's, uh, that's, so that's ticked. That's great. <laughs> so I can continue with that. Tokenization. Do you want to do, do a quick tokenization? <laughs> well, funny that, that you should first. ask. <laughs> funny that Someone you has to say AI. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, under this end. So, um, Coming near the end, guys, I want to discuss, I really like that insight on the live webinars. Do you guys see any other, because you guys have been in this game actually longer than us, um, do you see any trends, changes, or whatever in the industry of podcasting in general uh, that you find really interesting? So live webinars is super interesting. Um, anything else that you would like to point out? I think, you know, George mentioned earlier the that, uh, as to paraphrase my friend from Wales, it's cheaper than chips to get into this space, right? 
and and uh, you know, I think with all of the post-production tools and recording technology and that, there's a lot more assistance to people available if they can uh, figure out how to use it. Um, and it allows them to get into this even faster and, and come across more professional. And so I think that's, that's something that will continue kind of picking up on the topic of AI and, and some of the technologies out there. I hope it stays assistive. I really hope we don't see sort of pre-manufactured podcasts from, you know, AI generated interviews from, you know, where it's all derivative, I think that would be a shame, right? But um, from a perspective of tools and helping you learn and hone the craft a little bit more quickly, I think that's that's all goodness. And maybe to link it to you, George, and to bring this to an end, anything that you've learned from POF that you're incorporating into making data better? or any stuff that you're doing now that you weren't doing with POF in terms of best practices, what you decided to keep, what you decided to do um, in a different manner or new? Like, what do you see being the success criteria of making data better as a podcast? So, as I said, I'm entirely reusing, uh, repeating the DNA that we created it with Payment Sunshine. Because the mission is, is to me, it's very similar. Let's educate. Let's get the conversation going. Uh, there are fascinating people out there who have a lot to offer. Let's give them a way to, uh, and a place to, to, to say, say their piece. Um, you know, as I said, the, the, the work of creating the point of view the preamble before the, you bring the guest on uh, that guides the, the discussion. Well, that's a, the, an incredibly important activity um, to, to create a successful episode. Uh, uh, so that's, but that's, but that's it. That's, that's how I'm, how, how we're approaching it. Very interesting. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for being on the show. That was super insightful. It was very, very conversational, true to podcasting as it should be. Loved so it. Very much appreciated having you both on, especially at the same time. It's the first time we've had two, Indeed. two okay. people on the show at the same time. So thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Great to see you, Yvette. <laughs> Good to see you, George. <laughs> thank you for listening to the B2B Podcast Stories. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please don't forget to hit subscribe and check us out at jhamarketing.com. Have a great day.